So welcome back to another episode of Things You Miss in Sunday School, where we talk about the lesser known but interesting stories from the Bible and church history. My name is Spencer. And my name's Kendall. We have an exhaustive list of people, places, things, idea, and events that we're going to go through one by one over the course of this entire series. This is entry number 119A, Bible, yeah, 119A, A. Bible Moms. Hey, well, let's start with this, because I got, I got like a great mom story okay to kick us off we like to take family vacations down to florida when the kids were growing up and and uh, I'd, I'd drive through the night because it was great they they kids would sleep, sleep you, yep. you know you leave indiana and when you get to florida they're waking up the next morning yep. type deal but on this one particular trip i needed just a little bit of a break you know just just give me a, just a little chance to uh, shut my eyes here mm-hmm. a little bit, and yep. so Sandy's going to drive for a little while, and um, I wake up two hours later, and she's taking the wrong turn, and we're two hours in the wrong direction oh, out of the way, and and she wonders why I always want to drive and not let her drive anymore. <laughs> nice. Uh, I got a funny story about Sandy, too. This was probably, what, <laughs> two years ago? Well, for one, we call it like I'm gonna we're, we call this game wife ball, which is a whole other story in itself. Olivia, who's mis- a mom, so that's yeah, okay. she's a mom. <laughs> uh, she misspelled wiffle ball one time in a text message uh, and said and said let's play wife ball this weekend, probably like for July Fourth, the Memorial Day or something like that. And so we just made fun of her for that, just called it wife ball the whole time. So anyway, we're playing wife ball, and I hit the ball. I was up, and I I hit the ball. And I remember I got all the way to third. It was a good enough hit that I was going to, get to go for a triple out of it. And Sandy was playing third base. And whoever got the ball chucked it to Sandy. Sandy caught the ball. And I just, I was going for the win, going for third. And I just <laughs> plowed her over. I just, I, I. You body slammed her. I did. I, like, I put my <laughs> shoulder down and just like, I'm going for third. And I remember she dropped the ball. I remember she dropped it. And she fell. <laughs> she got knocked on the ground. And I got the third. Uh, but the general consensus for all the players was that I should be out. And yeah, I, I yeah, was, yeah, I was yeah. a little upset about that. A little, little but, rough house. But yeah. But yeah. And, and well, okay, because this is kind of a Mother's Day thing, too. So right. uh, one on Mother's Day that the kids really enjoy hearing every once in a while was we, uh, when we lived in town in North Vernon, we had this um, pool in the backyard uh-huh. and, and coming out. The second story of the house, we had this deck, and of course the rule was do not jump from the railing of the deck into the pool, and right. just for fun, one Mother's Day, I decided to do it. Go for it. Yeah, and uh, kids loved it. Yeah. Yeah, Sandy was really upset, yeah, <laughs> and she gave all of us, because kids laughed, you know, so yeah. they were in the, they were on the bad side with me, but uh, uh, she gave us all the cold treatment, and... Uh, was pretty uh, mad about it and actually obnoxious about it. She wouldn't talk to any of us and, you know, just kind of uh, shunned us for a couple of days, I oh, think. Wow. So. so happy yeah. Mother's Day. Happy Bye. Mother's Day, yeah. The rest of the day was great. Well, this uh, this past Sunday was Mother's Day, and so we decided kind of uh, in honor of that, we would do an episode over different moms of the Bible. And uh, so we're just going to be going over a few. Some And some of these moms are very well known. You, you, you will know them when we start talking about them. But we're going to tell their stories from the focus of the moms. We're going to try to. And uh, maybe what they experienced in these stories. Because we usually focus on maybe their husbands or their sons or something like that. So our first mom, her name is Sarah. Uh, originally her name was... Well, it's basically Sarah, or we pronounce it Sarai. Uh, it's Sarah, with, but instead of an H, it's an I at the end. Um, but she was the wife of Abraham. We, we, everyone knows Abraham. We have a song uh, named after him. Uh, and we do this weird dance when we sing it for some reason. And, uh, and, and the song goes, many sons had 
Father Abraham. No. Any woman will tell you that is not the man <laughs> who has the babies. That's a little chauvinistic. Isn't it is the woman. And while I get what the song is saying, uh, we, we're going to focus on Sarah for, uh, for, for a little bit. We first meet her in Genesis chapter 11, and she marries Abram. His name's Abram at that time, and her name is Sarai. And in verse 30, it tells us that she was barren. She, she had no children. She was not able to have children. Now, not having kids in those days, being barren was, was seen as a curse. They would often think it was a curse and, and very unfortunate because having a child was, was basically everything mm-hmm. to a man. Right. Uh, specifically having a male, male child. Yes. Uh, he needed to keep the family name alive. So, so this was probably a, a great shame for, uh, for Sarai. Uh, but in chapter 12, God tells Abram that he will make a great nation out of him. But he and his wife at that point are in their 70s. And I know usually when people think of ages in the Old Testament, they think, well, pff, 70s, that's like teenage years because people <laughs> live to be, you know, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred years old. But this is, that was all pre-flood. Right. Uh, people lived to be that old uh, in the pre-flood years. And uh, post-flood people, like Abraham and Sarah, they didn't live that long. They still lived a long time. They still lived to be like in their 120s, which is pretty old, but that's much more, that's much closer to modern day age uh, than pre-flood age. Right. And so it would be like, it'd be just as crazy as like if, if grandma and grandpa uh, came to Christmas announcing that they were expecting a baby. <laughs> So uh, apparently, though, uh, Sarah was also very, very beautiful uh, because there are two different times in Sarah and Abraham's life where they would go into a city and Abraham was scared because he he said, like, if the people saw Sarah's beauty mm-hmm. and then they knew that he was her husband, that they would kill him and take her. And so uh, there are two times he said, no, 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 she's my sister uh, so to, to, to spare his own life, he was like, this is just my sister. And both times the Kings of that area, first time in chapter 12, it's Egypt. And a second time it happens is in the, the, uh, Negev region. And that's in chapter 20. And, uh, the both times the King of the land, they take Sarai or Sarah, uh, because of her beauty. Hmm. And in Egypt, it says that Pharaoh gave Abram a whole bunch of livestock and servants because of how beautiful she was. And, 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 uh, I guess that was just the culture back then. And, and in Egypt, it says the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife. So he, hmm. ki- he, he kicked, he kicked them out. You know, they could have had a little racket going here. They could have just gone from town to town exactly. and just and collecting whatever they Get could. Get a lot of money out of there. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Negev, the Lord came to the king that had taken Sarah, and he came to the king in a dream and says that he actually says, you're as good as dead. And so the king goes to Abraham and confronts him, and, and Abraham says that he, the reason why they said uh, that she was his sister is because he was scared. Mm-hmm. And the king gives Abraham a whole bunch of stuff again, and they leave. But uh, anyway, back to the overall timeline. In Genesis 15, God makes the covenant with Abraham for him to have offspring. But they would have to wait, get this, some 25 more years before they would have a child. 25 years. That's a long time. Yeah. And uh, and that was chapter 15. In chapter 16, Sarah tries to have Abraham have a baby with her servant Hagar. Right. Because, you know, she tries to take matters into her own hands and just like, okay, well, th- maybe this is what God was saying. Yeah. I've waited 25 years. Let's, let's, uh, let's get to it here. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was 25 years by that point. I think it was some point of time, but either way, whether it was or wasn't, right. she tries to, yeah. 
And uh, but and as most people know, Hagar does get pregnant with Ishmael, mm-hmm. um, which actually causes Hagar to look down to Sarah. Uh, but that's that's a whole other story. Uh, but then in verse or then in chapter eighteen, three mystery visitors, also a subject for another podcast, <laughs> three mystery visitors come to visit Abraham and Sarah, and one of them finally gives them a timeline. He says, "I will surely return to you about this time next year, and your wife will have a son." And Sarah, in response to that, laughs. Laughs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, right. She, yeah, she is. Uh, she is so beyond being hopeful of having a kid. She is just. She's almost a century old. It is just a joke now. Yeah. Which I think a lot of us can relate to. We pray for something over and yeah. over again, and it never happens. And then maybe someone says, "Oh, you know, you can be free today if you just talk to God." And at that point, it just becomes a joke to us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You haven't lived my life. You don't exactly. know the chains I have. And so for Sarah, that's what she does. She laughs mm-hmm. because it's it's just a joke now. But obviously, the beautiful thing is in chapter twenty-one, she has a baby, mm-hmm. and they name him Isaac. Which, in its original language, means he laughs. Isn't that great? That's just, That's I love great. it. I love it. <laughs> Sarah was a mom who knew what it meant to wait. And even though she apparently got to the point of laughing over the thought of a miracle, it happened. Mm-hmm. And so anyone listening, nothing is too hard for God. You might get to the point where you think that career is impossible or having a family is impossible or something. And yes, God can say no and have other plans for you, but don't count them out. The Bible says that after Isaac was born, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Sarah died when she was 127. And wow. get this, she is the only woman in the entire Bible whose age is given at her death. Hmm, no, no, other woman, uh, her age, no other woman's age is given. Wow, what a story. Yeah. And then, like you said, and then, and then we, we even sing songs. And, you know, if we did a video, mm-hmm. if we were doing a video right now, we could act that song out. We could. Yeah. Good well, thing we're not. <laughs> good thing we're not. Yeah. Well, hey, how about another one? How about uh, a lady named Hannah? Okay. Uh, like a lot of men in the Bible, Hannah's husband had multiple wives. Okay. And her story is in First uh, Samuel, starting right off in chapter 1, and her husband's name is Elkanah. And he probably married Hannah first because... She's named first in the story, uh, but then he married his second wife, whose name was uh, Peninnah. Okay, right. now he did that probably because the fact that Hannah, like Sarah, that you had been talking about, was also barren and unable to have children. Okay, okay, so Peninnah, like Hagar, uh, was able to have children, and also like Hagar did what like Hagar did with Sarah. Uh, she looked down at Hannah. For not being able to have children. Okay. And then in chapter one, it says that Elkanah and his whole family would go to Shiloh, which was 20 miles north of Jerusalem. All right. And that's where they would go to offer sacrifices. And after Elkanah would offer a sacrifice, he would sacrifice the meat, and then he would give portions of that meat to the whole family. Uh, so that they would have it to eat. And the Bible says that he would give a portion to Peninnah and all of her sons and all of her daughters, but to Hannah... He would give a double portion, mm. probably because he loved her so much. Okay. Which means she got more, and it probably also means if he's given her more, he's probably also giving giving her the choice, meat. Oh, like the really good stuff? Yeah, the, the good stuff. But like I said before, she was barren, and it says in verse 6 that Peninnah would provoke her just to irritate her. Yeah. You know, just you know, just being cruel, basically. Yeah. And this happened year after year to the point that it says Hannah wept and would, wouldn't even eat. She just quit eating altogether. So Elkanah tries to 
comfort her by saying, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? He seems to not get the thing about Hannah's desire to have this kid, yeah. have this baby, and what it actually means to her. Uh, but the, the, the point, at this point in the story, a new guy, a new man steps in, okay. and, and he's a priest. His name is Eli. The story goes that Hannah goes into the temple and prays, and while she's praying, the Bible says uh, she's only moving her lips, but really speaking with her heart. Gotcha. So like basically how a lot of us pray, like when yeah. we pray in our heads and but maybe sometimes while we pray inside our heads, or you could say in your heart, you still kind of move your mouth as you pray. Right. So that's what she, she's just praying in her, in her, like within her mind yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's really coming yeah. from her heart, but she's just kind of lip syncing yeah, type sure. deal, you know. So she prays, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Huh. So she's promising that if she's able to have a son, she'll let him work in the temple all of his life and to never cut his hair, which implies that he would be what we call a Nazarite. Right, yep. Which is also what Samson was, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we often think of Samson yes. as you know the long-haired judge and everything, but yeah, from same, what we see right here, Samuel would have been same very, thing. same thing. He would have yep. had nice long hair, too. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but because... She was just mouthing the words, uh-huh. and nothing was really coming out. Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Hannah responds by saying, oh, no, sir. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. <laughs> she, but she says, uh, but I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Oh, man. Which, I think that's kind of a wordplay on there. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Because Eli says, like, it's kind of, Eli says... You're drunk, to which she says, no, I haven't been drinking wine, but I've been pouring out my heart to the Lord. So it's kind of like, it seems like maybe there's a little wordplay there. Like, no, I've not been consuming. I've actually just been pouring out, just talking to God uh, about everything that's on my heart. Well, wow, that's that's like some deep, really deep literary yeah. so maybe figurative is, yeah. language. Maybe there. there is some wordplay there. Yeah. Well, Eli then, he, he, uh, he replies to her, well, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she walked away. Said, the Bible says, no longer sad. Oh, very good. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, just instantly, since the priest kind of blessed it, you know, right. she, she really gave her a comforting feeling. And then in verse 20, it says that Hannah conceived and had a baby. They named him Samuel. We okay. all know Samuel, and actually, that's what this book is named after. It's right. named after him. His name literally, literally means name of God. Hmm. So after Samuel's weaned, which would have been roughly three years, Hannah brings baby Samuel to the temple, and they make a sacrifice, and Hannah says to Eli, Sir, do you remember me? I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he's granted my request. Now I'm going to give him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. So see, Hannah is a mother who kept her promise. Okay. She wanted a child, she got the child, and then she dedicated the child to the Lord. And Samuel would go on to be Israel's final judge. Uh, he's, he's the one that would lead Israel, and he led Israel very well. Mm-hmm. But the people were demanding a king. They right. were saying, hey, everybody else has kings. We want to have a king too. You right. know, We just don't want judges. We want to have a king. Uh, so because of that, Samuel would also be the one who anointed Israel's first two kings, actually King Saul and King David. Gotcha. 
And although we know the name of Samuel and some of the things he did, his life started off with a mother who loved the Lord and dedicated Samuel to the Lord's service. And because of that, all of Israel's history would be different from that point on. Yeah. So don't give up. I, I think that's a lesson up. we can learn from, from Hannah is to don't give up. And keep on, your promises. Yeah, and and go to the Lord in prayer. I love how Hannah is says, uh, how she says, uh, I was very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. I, I think a lot of the times when we pray, we pray what we think God wants to hear. Yeah. You know, God, thank you for this day. Well, we always start, dear Holy Father, thank you for this day. Yeah, bless me. Yeah. Bless me. Uh, please help <laughs> me with this. Maybe, maybe we'll say like, help so-and-so with such-and-such yep. and, such and yep. you know, all this stuff. And then, you know. Be with us. Be, be with, with me. us. Be with yeah. like, As if he's like, not like already. Like you're not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's not all around. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and then we have to say, in Jesus' name, I pray. Right. We have to say that, or it yep. doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, amen. Yeah. Whereas Sarah, or not Sarah, sorry, Hannah in this story, she said, it says she just pours her heart out to God. Yeah. God is a, a big boy. Okay. He's been <laughs> around for a while, and uh, he can handle what we have to say. We can just pour it out to yeah. him. Yeah. And I think that's something we can learn from Hannah, is we do not have to do some A, B, C prayer. We can just pray what's on our heart and what's on our mind. God has heard it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's already knows what's going to happen. He, we can talk to him. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a great, uh, some great ideas that we can learn from Hannah. Yeah, our, yeah our, the truth is our prayers are pretty superficial sometimes. Yeah. You know, they're just not real profound. And I think sometimes God might be up there like, really? You know, just like the be with me. Like, really? Haven't left. Yep. Still there. Been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's neat to see that in this story, she was, uh, she was, it was coming from within. Yeah, you know, pouring it out from her heart. Uh, our last mom that we're going to talk about today is um, in English. We would pronounce her name Jacobed, mm. which I, I believe uh, more appropriately, her name would have been Yo- Yohebed. Mm. Uh, it starts with a J, but I think J's had like kind of a Y sound okay. back then. So I think her name's Yohebed. And this is a mom that is probably the least known mom of maybe the most known character of the Old Testament. Ooh, yeah. So this story takes place in the book of Exodus. And to give you a little background on this story, there was, uh, in the book of Genesis, there was a guy named Jacob. He had 12 sons and a daughter. You know, the other sons hated the youngest son, Joseph. Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Long story short, they faked Joseph's death, sold him into slavery. And many years later, there was a famine. And so the other brothers go to Egypt, where it just so happens Joseph was sold as a slave, but now has risen to power. And Joseph reunites with his family, and they all move to Egypt. Everyone moves to Egypt. So, But then many years go by, Joseph and all of his family dies, and a new king uh, rules Egypt. And he's getting scared by the size of the Hebrew population. And so he, 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 because they're too large, he's getting intimidated by them. So he commands all his people that every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, mm. but you shall let every daughter live. So after that, we meet a mom named Yohebed. She is not named in Exodus chapter two, where this story takes place. She's named later in Exodus chapter six, right. where there's a genealogy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she had a baby and it was a boy. And she saw that the that her son was, quote, a very fine child, uh, meaning that he was a very healthy child. It literally says this in the literal or in the original language. It literally says she saw him that he was good, mm-hmm. which some people see as an echo of creation. Because in Genesis, yes, absolutely, you know, God creates such and such, and he saw that it was good, which is fitting in Exodus chapter 2 because this, in a way, is the birth of Israel as a nation. Right now they're in captivity but by the time Moses is mm-hmm. done, uh, Israel will be a nation. So Yohebed 
hid her baby boy because he would be thrown into the Nile if he was found. And she nursed him and hid him for three months. And then in Exodus 2, verse 3, it says, But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and, mm-hmm. and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put it, she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. So some people think Yohebed knew that this place was where some people of, of nobility would pass by. Mm-hmm. So maybe she had a plan. She probably had a plan. So she hoped that he would be found and kept by then. Uh, or maybe at the very least, she would ho- she was hopeful that God would provide for the baby. Just because she technically is doing what Pharaoh said to do. Put all the f- babies in the Nile. Correct. So she did do that. She just put them in a basket. Yeah. And uh, just probably hoping, just if there's something, like just hoping that her son would be provided for. And as most people know, Pharaoh's daughter, not not his wife, like the movie Prince of Egypt <laughs> shows. The Prince of Egypt uh, shows it's Pharaoh's wife. Right. Uh, but Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. And maybe maybe a piece of evidence that his mom had a plan is the fact that Miriam, mm-hmm. uh, her daughter, Moses' sister, stays to kind of scout out what yeah, happens. So yeah. maybe like Yohebed like said, check it out, stay here and you know watch, see what happens. But maybe. After Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby, the Bible says that then the baby's sister approached the princess. So Miriam, you know, comes out and says, Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And she and the princess says, Yes, do that. And so the girl went and called the baby's mother. <laughs> Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And later when the boy was older, uh, her mother, sorry, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. I believe Moses means to draw out. Draw out. Yeah, I think so. So Yohebed wanted to save her son. And so from this story, if you really just look at it, she probably had a plan when she put her yeah. son in the water. It yeah. wasn't, it probably wasn't just, I don't know what to do, so I'm just giving up. It probably wasn't that. She probably put him in the Nile in the basket, hoping that God would provide a way. And not only was Moses saved from death because of his mother's love, she, being Yohebed, actually got to raise him and nurse him for a time. And got paid, and, and and get got paid, paid for it. <laughs> and get paid to do it. And because Moses' mom was willing to keep her baby alive, when the king said to throw them in the Nile, Moses survived and was used by God to free the Hebrew people from Egypt. So, so here's the deal. Our moms or whatever the mother figures right. are in our mm-hmm. lives, they've all done so much for us. You know, they put up with us <laughs> through all those crazy, stupid things we did and right. <laughs> uh, even put up with us through um, turbulent phases of our lives right. as well. And they just continue to help us. Even as we get older, they continue to help us. You know, I didn't I didn't tell a mom story at the beginning of the... I, I picked on Sandy, not my mom, because I'm still scared of what mom would do to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> so no matter how old you are, for most of us, uh, our moms hold a really special place in our hearts, you know, and uh, wherever they may be. So I know Mother's Day was this past Sunday, uh, but if you haven't already, if you haven't called her up, if she's still alive, um, you know, do that. Call her up and tell her how much she means to you and how much uh, you love her. And uh, if she's not around, then just uh, thank God for the mother or mother figure in your life uh, that has helped you out uh, so often and so many times before. And also, not only that, but uh, let that be an influence on your life. Yeah. And take that influence and try to be that kind figure to help other people, especially other young people in your life. 
And that concludes this episode, entry number 119A, Bible Moms. We are ministers at East Columbus Christian Church in Columbus, Indiana, and we have services on Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 with Sunday school in between, and there's children's church services during those times as well, and we have Sunday uh, Sunday evening service at 6 o'clock too. Also, there's youth and children's groups on Wednesday nights with a meal at 6 o'clock and the lesson and stuff at 6.30, and you can feel free to contact us at mistinsundayschool at gmail.com, and as always, don't take our word for it, take God's word for it.